Hey guys, welcome to episode two of this three-pack series. Now, we wanted this episode to feature a guest. We wanted to feature someone who you've all heard on here before and someone who you're quite accustomed to. And we thought, who else better than Mr. X, right? I think the thing that attracted us to bringing Mr. X back on the podcast was his approach to the bear market over the last 10 months. You know, if you were to rewind your Twitter timeline back to this time last year, the amount of traders on there was probably significantly higher than it is right now. You know, the people that are trying to really trade this price action right now, you know, more strength to them because it is absolutely trash. And, you know, one of the things that Mr. X tweeted about not too long ago was the things that he's prioritized over this bear market has been health and fitness, seeing friends and family. You know, he's launched a new side business. He's learned a new language. You know, I'm sure a lot of you hearing this who have actually tried to trade this price action, in hindsight, I'm sure you wished you did all those things instead, right? And it was a really, really interesting discussion. We talked about everything that he was up to over the last 10 months. We spoke about his view on the market going into 2023, macro as well as PA price action. And yeah, it was a really, really interesting discussion as it always is with Mr. X. So I want to shout him out. I want to thank him again for coming on and dedicating his time to us. I hope you enjoy this podcast. How's it going, mate? All good? Yeah, all good. All good. Just chilling back in the country of dreams. What about? <laughs> Are you back in Europe now? Yeah, well, I, I never left Europe to be. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I thought I saw you in London the other day. Like you, ta- you tagged yourself in London the other day. Yeah, I was in London. Yeah, man. I spent a couple of days down in London, uh, visiting family down there for a couple of days and then came up north for a couple of days and then I'll fuck off back to Europe. Okay. use the french should have shouted me bro should have shouted me if you're up north yeah no i will i've literally just arrived bro literally last night all oh, right well got um, you got you we'll link up i need to link up with the mutual so <laughs> we'll do something for sure I've, i'm not even spoke to him yet i think he's still on holiday but like i say i've only just got nah, back. he's back now he's, oh, he's, he? he's back now yeah yeah he's back now how's it feel being back in the uk with everything going on right now though i mean i'm I'm sheltered to a lot of things, to be honest, bro. As you know, I just do my own thing and pretty sheltered to a lot of it. I mean, the the whole world's a disaster. It's not just the UK. I think global media Uh makes out the UK's like one day away from implosion when realistically, Europe's no better. I don't think America's much better. Ironically, the developing nations are probably better than than the developed nations now, so... (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's true it's true yeah man just a few things to cover today to be honest with you uh there's not obviously much that's happened in all, in all honesty since the last time we caught up when was the last time we did a podcast do you remember do you remember Amish, when was the last time we we jumped on probably six seven months ago something like that yeah i just i just faintly remember us talking about the macro environment and stuff like that it was, it was yeah. all a bit crazy but yeah we've we're, we're, we're finally at the end of, of 2022 what's been a crazy year i remember mate you put a tweet out probably like about a month ago or a few weeks ago even, just about like your bear market routine, your bear market lifestyle and what you've kind of been up to, which is basically just been, you've taken a break from trading, you've been exercising, eating well, spending time with friends and family, launched a side business. And that tweet did the rounds within our kind of like Discord and stuff like that because everyone was like, this is how you're supposed to live through a bear market. This is supposed this is how you're supposed to do a bear market, you know? You're meant to just put everything aside and just relax and just wait for the market to 
go back to its norm again, you know? And yeah, so just, it, it'd be good for you just to touch on that a little bit, man, and just, and just how things have panned out for you over the last kind of 10 months or so. Yeah, I mean, exactly as the tweet says, or I think I even said last time, I I prefer trading-wise anyway, because it's so intense, or how I trade is so intense, everything kind of gets put to the side when I'm trading. So I like to trade with the cycle. I mean, people like to trade a bear market. It's perfectly fine to trade a bear market, as long as you're aware of where the market is in the cycle, obviously. But yeah, generally now I like to do two to three years, pretty intense. So obviously it's you might as well pick up the the easy money, which is when the market's trending up, in my opinion. So I like to do two or three years trading with the market, and then I try and take 12 months out. So after I feel like the market's peaked, again, I don't try and time the top, but when you know the market's peaked, you might be two months, three months after the top. Then you know you've got a couple of months where, or a year where, there's not much point in putting much effort into the market. You know, hopefully you've got enough of a capital buffer so you can do that. Maybe you have other businesses, whatever, other income streams. So, yeah, this is the first cycle I say I'd properly stuck to my guns. Last cycle I wanted to do that, but ended up still trying to trade and getting chopped up. And it was just a waste of time. So this this cycle I literally have had only money on like what I will call an investment account ready to reallocate. I've already reallocated a few bits and bobs of funds. But I've pretty much stuck out for the whole year, got back into fitness, eating healthily, prioritizing health and fitness for 12 months. Obviously, been building a house that's now finished, learned a new language, pretty much fluent in a new language. Started a new business recently, e-commerce, online across Europe. And yes, I've done quite a lot of traveling, been to quite a few places, Spent a good time with friends and family, even did an Ibiza trip, which I haven't done for many years, mainly because of COVID. Bit a bit old for that shit now, but we <laughs> nice Ibiza trip this time in a nice villa, super nice area. Bit more grown up. <laughs> two two nights out partying. Yeah, even that, man. even that's too much, man. Even two <laughs> nights is too much nowadays for me, bro. Gets a bit yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, I feel you, I feel you. Yeah. But no, I, I again I I would recommend it, especially if you're trading full time does get a bit intensive but this is why i always joke like in the bear market you see you can you can you can identify the macro trend because obviously crypto vol generally dies down or it's harder to trade you know you're either taking longer swing trades for me it's not how i like to trade so i know to just i'm not going to get any extra gains or the the, the incremental gains i'm going to achieve for the effort required is just not worth it it's this shit yeah it makes sense uh, yeah so that's why you see often crypto traders, they either go back into Forex, they do other different, they try and go into different other routes because the excitement, the, the fun, the easy gains are, are kind of gone, you know. And ironically, if you've been in Forex, the Forex has been, even even Bitcoin's as volatile as a pound right now, or I should say the pound is as volatile as Bitcoin. So, you know, the, the volatility of Bitcoin is, is come down a lot and the volatility of the pound's gone up. Just for one example. So there's better trading opportunities elsewhere than crypto after it's peaked you know it's kind of i don't even touch alts certainly when trading well here and now in a in a, in a bull market but i mean i caught up the other day on on a few few altcoins and oh my days you know like <laughs> some people will I, I just know that some people will have sat there you know like putting money in every month maybe like the salary like trying to trying to make it again or trying to hold like bottom shorts you know like we've all been there done that like everyone everyone feels comfortable shorting now even though the market's like 70 percent off the highs crazy yeah i mean it's the inverse of what it was at the top right 
So yeah, I prefer to just stay out, freshen up everything else. I, as you know, you know me well. I, th- I think you know. Generally, I put on quite a lot of weight when I'm trading. Get a bit out of shape. Get a bit fat, whatever words. End up buying all new clothes at the top of the market, and then 12 months later, like now, all those new clothes that I bought, they don't even fit me anymore. I feel like I'm wearing a bin bag. They're so big. So <laughs> I guess my uh, weight cycles with the <laughs> with the price. <laughs> You sound, you sound, if I could summarize that, you sound literally one whole cycle ahead of us. That would literally be my, because what you just said about the last cycle, you kind of faffed around a little bit, which is probably what we've been trying to do. I don't know if we're kind of obliged because of TCC and whatnot, but it literally sounds like next cycle, that's where hopefully we'll, we'll be in the same place figuratively, if not in some aspect, literally. I think we're taking some aspects, especially with the kind of health and fitness side of things. I think a lot of us have been a little more conscious, I think, on, on that side of things. But if I, yeah, I could literally say in a nutshell, that's literally one cycle ahead of us, exactly what we would probably be doing next time. Yeah, man, I think I think one of the hardest things to take from as a trader is like sometimes the best trade is no trade. Like whether that's intraday, intraweek, intramonth, intra-year, Sometimes the best time, the best trade is is literally no trade. Ironically, the best trade I made since not trading was holding everything liquid assets in tether. Yeah, because obviously I'm yeah. spending pounds and euros, and I mean it's pretty much up like thirty percent. Just just on that one thing, I actually wanted to ask you today. The only thing I actually specifically wanted to ask you was tether, because I had again always private accounts hold a very strong argument against tether to me the other day. And his kind of conclusion was the whole market is dependent on Tether. So if Tether collapses, the whole thing basically collapses, everything. I mean, this is, I, I'm pretty sure I know exactly which influencer this. No, 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 it's not, it wasn't, no, it wasn't, it wasn't influencer. It's just, again, private accounts. So I, I don't even know who this guy is. Yeah, but. I was meaning like there's, 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 there's quite a prominent crypto guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're, I think. Kind of stems from but i think where it comes from <laughs> a lot of the li- a lot of the liquidity in the market is tether right there's a, a lot of exchange pairs are tether but it's not it's not necessarily true anymore this is like going back to exactly to like 2016 when before tether was really like traded or was really like key liquidity pair it was always bitcoin hmm. you know and I, I i was around when you wouldn't even look at it there wasn't even a dollar pair there wasn't dollar pair, yeah yeah so if 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 tether it, i mean tether's not going to implode for a start. I don't believe Tether will implode. Ironically, as I've always said, I think there's more risk with USDC, even though I do hold both, mm. like sizable sums of both. But I'd, I I just don't... It would create a problem, but also like in most markets now, certainly in most spot markets, you can trade with a direct USD pair. You don't have to use Tether. It's just far more easy for anyone that's in, integrated into crypto to use to use tether to use usdc it's so much easier whether you're trading on a dex or whether you're trading on a centralized exchange moving again i always refer to bankwise i'm 99 certain these people that comment these things have never ever tried to send a six or a seven figure bank it's it's a nightmare once you start trying to buy big ticket items or trying to send bankwise to yourself it's fine well it's not fine it's still a headache but after like a couple of times sending like large bank wires from one account to another account, generally it gets faster or it's, you know, it's, it's a quicker route. But if you want to send, if I wanted to send you a million dollars today and, and I send it via a bank wire, 
part time, you have to walk into somewhere with your passport. You know, yeah. it's not a case of like sending the money and it, and it arriving in an hour. Like mm-hmm. even with with Tether with USDC, you can you know you can send pretty much an unlimited amount of sum and it arrives pretty much within five minutes. Yep. I mean, my my biggest point was that if it was going to collapse, it would have done so by now. Yeah, but then you also, I mean, ironically, the way the market is now, the way the macro is, Tether holds T-bills, right? So Tether mm. itself on all that cash, they don't, if you hold naked Tether in a Trezor, you ain't getting any yield. But those dollars that are sat in T-bills, Tether is actually getting a yield on that cash now. So Tether is actually in a stronger position now, given the macro, than it ever has been. The same for USDC. Mm. So it's just so ironic, you know, that, in the when when the global or when crypto's in a pain point, Tether's actually probably in a stronger point because it's actually earning yield on all that cash that's sat there, and they're holding mm-hmm. treasuries now. So they pivoted away from commercial paper to treasuries just at the same time when treasuries are actually paying a yield. Yes, negative relative yeah. to inflation, but it's still paying a yield, and they're not paying a yield out. So I, I would argue that <laughs> these stable coins are, as I've always said, they're a, they're a, they're a different structure, but they're effectively a money market fund. And, and if anyone has money market funds in traditional portfolios, and they'll know that the current yield is anywhere between 2 to 4%. But Tether is actually getting that themselves, obviously, from T-bills, mm-hmm. uh, but they're not distributing it. So they're actually earning an income now just from having the product. I think the argument, you know, Tether's stronger now than it ever has been. So if it was supposedly a disaster when it was holding mm-hmm. a load of commercial paper, now it's holding T-bills, which are, you know, as far as most commentators are concerned, some of the highest quality instruments liquid instruments you can hold if you're sitting on billions then i just don't see where the argument stands yes i guess the 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 other point that most tethered doubters would would go into is a fact of an audit what 99 percent of crypto is an audited and you can also pay for an audit you know so you can you could publish an audit to to put whatever you want in so again ted has been around for longer than 90% of the industry, right? Yep. They're constantly doing different things. If you follow Paolo on Twitter, the CTO, mm-hmm. constantly doing different developments. Same with Bitfinex. You know, everyone hates Bitfinex. Everyone shits on Bitfinex, even <laughs> even Bitmex. But, I mean, they are what they are. I, I, I don't have a problem with those institutions. I, ironically, I would trust them more than I would trust any high street bank in the UK. Obviously, for that reason, I don't keep any money in high street banks in the UK. I would rather, I would feel, I sleep much more comfortable knowing that I had 200 grand stake sat in Tether than I would 200 grand sat in a bank account. That's just me. Wow. Yeah. Good point. Ironically, wouldn't it be bullish Bitcoin if Tether was to collapse? Because everyone would just sell their Tether and buy BTC, maybe, or other stables. But what other stables would you, apart from maybe USDC, they'd put it in, maybe, or something else? But ironically, people would probably buy BTC. Yeah, there's two ways to look at it. depends depends on depends on what 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 liquidity access people have. So if yeah. if you're sat, in, sat on a dex, then yeah, you would you would you'd be kind of forced to buy Bitcoin. So I mean, yeah, there's two ways to analyze that. I don't think people would flock to another stable coin on the sole base. Maybe for the first yeah. ten minutes, let's say, or first day or two. But <laughs> yeah, it'd probably be like very very short term bullish for Bitcoin. Maybe like for like fifteen minutes to half an hour or something. You get a crazy candle. <laughs> Yeah, I mean those events. Uh, I'm I'm surprised you don't see Twitter threads on such topics. To be fair, but again, they're so complex. The ecosystem is so so complex. Like especially now, all the different blending protocols, everything that's grown up around Tether and USDC. 
there is that one argument. I remember that was floated around 2018. That if Tether was to blow up, then where do you put your money? You, you've got to get out of the system. Mm. You've kind of got to put it into Bitcoin and move it. So yeah, potentially. But again, I, I feel like there's, like we spoke to last time, a few that's come to fruition. There's so much more the hidden leverage that poses a bigger risk than Tether itself, in my opinion, or mm. USDC itself. Yeah. True, true. You mentioned allocating to Bitcoin. You're not the only person I've seen that's um, started to allocate. Why now, do you think, especially with the macro, how it is, it's still not any better. Why do you see now as a good, obviously, I think you're just taking that long-term approach. You know, if you invest now in five five years' time, it's going to be higher than it is today, which is fine. But yeah, just curious as to why you've decided to allocate currently. Yeah, good question. And I mean, ultimately, I was risking off at a higher price than where it is today. So. For me to buy back, I'm buying a 50% discount. So I always use the analogy. I think you guys posted a similar analogy as well the other day on uh, Instagram. Any other product, any other product, whether it be a car, a house, any other non-financial product, if you go to buy something and you've got in your head, oh, it's a good value at 40000 and then two months later, the value's half, or by the time you go to buy that item, the value's half, you don't run away. You don't start doubting the purchase if you've already decided you want to buy it or you want to hold it or you've already got a, a reason or a thesis as to why you'd arguably buy two of the items or you would either just accept the 50 percent discount and be happy you bought it at a, a deeper deeper discount so that's kind of the theory in a nutshell i'm i don't understand why people run away i mean look 12 months ago every man and his dog was in the market now nobody's interested why why? 90% of projects that are still alive, or 90% of alts are old, are disastrous anyway. But Bitcoin, Ethereum, arguably Solana, these projects are, have had more development. They, they actually are worth more now, as in terms of like how they've developed, what the value proposition is, than they were 12 months ago. Obviously, the price doesn't reflect that. The price is, is, is impacted by market cycle. But you know, Ethereum is a bigger chain. It's had more development. There's more ideas. There's more fruition on that project than there was 12 months ago. Obviously, the price doesn't reflect that right now. So I don't see why people run away. If you were buying Ethereum at $4,000 and you're not going to buy it at $1,200, then you're crazy. This, you know, it doesn't make any sense. The same for Bitcoin. If you were happy to buy it at $40,000 because you thought it was value, then how is it not more value at 19000 I don't understand why people run away. For me, like I say, I was risking off higher, so I'm more than happy to reallocate. I made a thesis many years ago. I believe price generally trends up, you know, ridiculously high relative to other financial assets or other other places you can invest money. So is is the price going to be higher in a few years? Yeah, I believe so. So if you have spare capital, you've got a 12-month buffer because things are looking a bit grim at the moment. Why not buy? The same as at the top, everyone feels like price goes up forever. Right now, everyone feels like price is going to go down forever or the doom and gloom is going to last forever. I don't subscribe to that, as you guys know it. I'm firmly in the cycle. We usually bottom 12 months after the top. So we're probably next month. I already, I think we're forming a bottom now. I'm also aware of there's two trains of thoughts. We're either forming a bottom here or we're doing exactly what we did at 6K. We bounce across the, bounce across the floor the bounces get weaker and weaker and weaker, and then we eventually break the floor and you look for probably another 50% drop from here. I mean, if if we see that if we see the latter and Bitcoin goes down 50% from here, the first thing I would do is go to the bank. And right now I have 
no debt against property. I would go to the bank. I wouldn't mind paying them whatever the interest rate is. And I would take out equity against against property to buy a 50% drawdown from here. So, you know, I'm happy to allocate here. I'm not I'm not ignorant to think that Bitcoin can't fall. Obviously, the, the market can always fall out of its ass. Everyone should expect an 85% drawdown. Pretty much something I've said on every single chat we've had. So for me, 70% discount from the top, I'm buying it. Why not? I'm... I'm not trying to, again, I'm not trying to time the bottom. I never tried to time the top. The, the real money is always made in, in the meat of the move. It's not necessarily, I'm not looking to flex a pico top sell or a pico bottom buy. It doesn't matter. The, the, the real money is made in the meat of the move. So do, different do, if you're trading and doing use yeah. leverage. You're just investing in allocating capital. Do you feel a lot of people try and like complicate things where they literally do the opposite to what you're saying? They literally try and time an absolute bottom on an absolute top and then it happens so quickly that you just don't get time. Yeah, of course. And I also think the biggest problem is people only interested in anything when the price is up. Hmm. So people, I don't think people are trying to time the bottom now. They're just not interested. They tell them, you know, Solana was the best thing in the world at 200 bucks, but at 27 bucks, it's worthless. You know, it's yeah. because they bought in higher. So they're sitting on a drawdown. Yeah. And again, we've said it. I think you guys have tweeted about it. You've, you've got to fuck up to then learn where you fucked up. Like I did the, you know, I was buying for 2018, like I said, out spot and trading i was i was doing all kinds of trying to like average down buys and i i was ended up buying loads at the top obviously once you've been through that and you've seen the market recover and i stuck to my guns buying and i remember i sold all my ices in december 2018 every single traditional investment and i went like yoloed in bitcoin at three and a half thousand mm-hmm. and obviously it, it, it paid off it worked out whatever but it you kind of have to learn those steps. So anyone that was buying towards the top of this cycle and now is a bit scared or not interested, once the market recovers, they'll be and they'll be they'll they'll get their interest back. Maybe they don't buy the bottom, but then once it happens again, they will understand what's happening, you know, and they will feel comfortable buying when we're at seventy percent drawdown, even though there's a possibility of another fifty percent drawdown. I don't know why people get so technical with it or, or like you say they try and outsmart the market like mm. we're not well i'm not here to outsmart the market i'm just trying to make money on the meat of the move and, and that's it I, one of the questions i was going to ask is I, th- I think you pretty much answered it is if you feel the cycle theory is still intact which i, I mean i think i am put words into your mouth but i feel that you you do the second part of that question was how many of these cycles do you think we've got left yeah good question a i do think the cycle theory is very much still relevant Certainly, I mean, maybe the maybe like working out on percentage gains of clearly now there's well, it's been clear for a while. To be fair, I was a bit ignorant of it. This cycle, there's a diminishing return. There's always going to be a diminishing return in these kind of assets. So every single cycle probably doesn't go as high as you expect. That's why I'm also thinking on the downside. Maybe we don't go as low as we expect. So it's also another reason why I've started allocating already rather than trying to like wait for another fifty percent drawdown. We didn't peak anywhere near what I thought we would peak at. Still nearly a 20 gain off the 2018 lows. So, I mean, people are oh, Bitcoin only went up by 3x. No, the, the, the bull market starts from the lows. The bull market doesn't start, in my opinion, from when we break the previous all time high. Obviously, there's a big argument against this. So, some people say Bitcoin only ran 3x this cycle. For me, it ran 20x, you know, or, or there or thereabouts. So, yeah, I think the cycle's intact. But we do have a diminishing return. Obviously, I'm 
kind it would make sense on that basis that we we don't be as aggressive to the downside how long does it go on for i don't know i i honestly don't know i mean we like to think markets are efficient uh, i think me and me and dill speak about this quite a bit but in reality markets aren't efficient humans are stupid and humans will forever be stupid and you can present them with data <laughs> that clear data that might give you know pure alpha and they, they will scoff at it you know it's almost too good to be true and that's why some people make outsized gains compared to other people do you think almost you can know too much i think you can overcomplicate stuff yeah 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 absolutely and that's kind of that's what i feel like i was doing in 2018 yeah th- this is probably what we were doing yeah 100 yeah that's why this time i thought i'm not going to overcomplicate it i'm going to wait until i'm going to just take time off i'm not going to be too bothered um, I've got enough of a liquidity buffer to to do. I've got other, other, obviously other income streams as well, so I don't need to force anything. And and it's much better. It's you know I don't need to bother trying to time the bottom now. I'm happy to start reallocating. Yes, the macro doesn't look good, but bottoms never look like a bottom. The same way, if you remember at the top, I, I I'm the first person to admit I did not think that it was a top. I, ironically started selling east because i just bought a new car and i think i tweeted on twitter started selling some ETH, but i'll sell like most of my stack above 5k we fucking never ran above 5k <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I was expecting more i mean even me and dill had a joke dill was like oh why are you selling it now and i was just like oh, i'd literally just bought a car so i was selling what i would was buying effectively selling hedging the cost and now that was pretty much the pico top like but again, I, I didn't want to sell it because I was under the impression that we were we were peeing. I was selling it because I had a different obligation and I didn't want to spend the money without replenishing it. And again, I was buying ETH for like under 100 bucks, so it's still a ridiculous run-up. So yeah, I feel like you can overcomplicate stuff 100%. Again, we're all learning. The more cycles you go through, the more the more you become a bit lazy or you let the market do the work rather than trying to squeeze every little drop of juice out of the market mm-hmm. yeah man you mentioned the macro it's crazy because right now the crypto market is probably the least volatile if you look at everything you know it's, it's quite funny probably the most volatile markets at the moment are probably the bond market and the forex market which is where we're seeing the majority of the volatility at the moment let's just let, let's kick it off with the with the fed maybe do you think that i have a feeling that they're done well, they're close to being done because they're at what four percent now they're probably going to take it to 4.75 percent maybe five percent the, the fed funds rate i don't see them going much harder in 2023 than they are now what do you think yeah i mean again um again we're not we're, we're, we're not we're not macroeconomists here but like yeah, yeah it's, it's, we, it's just we, uh, we aren't we aren't you are yeah, as in, I even I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just a macro speculator, but like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just interesting. Like, I, I can't see, like, there's, 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 um, there's an interesting chart which shows the Fed to beat inflation. They take the Fed funds rate above the inflation rate to beat inflation. So that means they'd have to take the Fed funds up to eight, nine percent, which I can't really see them doing in all honesty. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So, well, right, right. I agree with you, man. I can't. <laughs> I mean, eight or nine percent. There will be some really good discounts on assets if, if that's the case. But I can't see that happening. I think there's already there's already signs in the U.S. of of, of inflation slowing. But I think we're at the point now where like things, the liquidity crisis that happened in gilt markets is is almost rearing its head in the U.S. So 
we're at a point now where things might start breaking if they start pushing it, you know, if they start stepping on the gas. But we have to look at the history of the Fed. The Fed is always slow to react. So you're going to have, you had a Fed that six months, maybe less, before, before they started their tightening or they started hiking rates. And they were saying, we're not going to, you know, like Janet Yellen was saying, oh, we can't, we can't be raising rates until 2024. ECB the same. At six months later, they're hiking the most aggressive in history. So it's probably going to be, they're probably going to hike, you know, the data is signaling that maybe it's time to, to take a slowdown in the US, of course, talking about, whereas the Fed will probably ignore the first signs as they always do. And then they'll be slow to react. So then they'll be hiking into really, really high recession risk or maybe something something, something else breaks in, 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 in US markets. Maybe there's a liquidity crisis in bonds as well, similar to the UK. It already is, in my opinion. It already is, in my opinion, to be fair. I agree. I agree. Liquid. What was it? I don't know much about it, but there, are, there was already like some liquidity being pumped into Switzerland by the Fed. Mm-hmm. There's... I don't know, but I, I feel like I, I always like to do that. As we've always said, I always like to do the opposite. Everyone is so dooming and glooming right now, whereas I'm, it's kind of beyond me to jump on the same bandwagon. You know, you kind of got to look forward, not, not backwards. So I, mm-hmm. I, I would say the same. I, I'd say it's pretty much exhausted, but eventually I think it's happening now. The market will pivot into like what's recession risk. And ironically, when recession risk starts peaking, that's when the Fed starts looking at different options. So when recession risk becomes the most popular rather than inflationary risk, that's probably when the Fed starts pivoting policy. So, I mean, you've also got to factor in, you're looking at a US government that is, in my opinion, almost completely out of control, along with many other uh, many other global governments, changing the definition of things to suit a narrative. Things that if you said five, ten years ago would happen, nobody would have believed you. You'd have been laughed off the stage, form for a better word. Just completely wild things. I, I, I was saying, speaking to a friend maybe six months ago, and I said I wouldn't even be surprised if they changed the basket of how inflation is calculated and or changed the definition of inflation and or changed the Fed's targeted inflation rate to then be able to like parade that they you know won inflation and got inflation under control. So... I feel like, you know, if recessionary risks start outweighing the inflationary risk, then there's there's other things they can do. You know, they can literally just change the, the change the basket of inflation, change the measure of inflation, or change the targeted rates, you know. So nothing would nothing would surprise me with current administration in the US, to be honest. I think that's a real possibility, you know, the Fed changing their inflation target to like three percent or something. I think that's a very real possibility. Yeah, I mean, I mean, four percent would be reasonable. Yeah, and then yeah. they cheer that everything's under control when inflation, when inflation cruises back down to target, and the average Joe probably none the wiser that they just doubled the inflation target. So I'm surprised yeah. it's not happened already, to be honest. But. I know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I did see an article the other day of the Treasury, the U.S. Treasury, saying they might start buying government bonds to sort out the liquidity problems in the in the bond market which is interesting very interesting there was an article that Arthur Hayes put out like i think at the beginning of this month talking about yield curve control and how the BOE stepping in basically and, and doing what they did in the gilt market he's basically but he was basically saying that 80% of global central banks are doing or are on their way to doing yield curve control in some way it's just the fed that's kind of just the last the like the last horse to leave the gate should we say in terms of that but yeah, do, do you see this? I'm starting to think about this more and more. Like, 
I, I don't think we can go back to QE in the same way that, that, that it was done in the past. Or can we? Or is it just going to be like, is it just going to be yield curve control going forward from, from every central bank? Yeah, I mean, again, I, these are all the golden questions, right? So Yeah, it, it literally I, is, yeah. I feel like, I mean, again, the gaslighting was in the UK. I mean, what the central bank did was QE, but in a different wrapper. And I remember there was a few articles that suddenly surfaced to say, no, this is not QE. I mean, effectively it was. So again, it's that that gaslighting trend that we seem to sin for the last three years now, where we do one thing but tell you tell you it's doing the other. So I, I honestly, I, I I feel like they could, so long as inflation's under control, be it that be change change measures, whatever they do to inverted commas have it under control. I feel feel like they could do QE as how they have done QE in the past. Absolutely, if if. If if everything really really starts to to crack or like again recession risk or recession problems start biting, then yeah, I I I don't think they would think twice about restarting that program, or more than likely they they repackage it as something else, or as you say, yield curve control. But I mean, these these factors are almost out of our control. Well, I mean they're absolutely out of our control. So, but it's yeah. interesting. I agree with what Arthur. I agree with the narrative Arthur Hayes writes. I think he's a bit energetic on the the fact. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's it. You've got to like we've said before. How many bullets do these central banks really have left? And then forgetting the 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 financial and the liquidity impacts and how that impacts the Bitcoin price. You've also got to factor in that 90% of the world still doubt Bitcoin. But once central banks, specifically the US, start nuking that trust, people seek an alternative. Now, there isn't the only viable alternative to have stable, solid, fixed monetary policy is Bitcoin, ironically. So as much as you can look at the factors that might drive Bitcoin price directly from their actions, indirectly once that trust starts breaking down in these institutions that have been around since you know for generations that's the biggest factor that i think central bank well no one can 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 monetize yet or or can can price in but i feel like that's a massive factor you know the the, the uk is already on a on a rocky road from a global investors perspective but when the average joe down the pub or you know the the average working people that start doubting people that are never ever interested in in the policies or, or whatever. When they start doubting those institutions, that's when an alternative becomes far more attractive. And obviously, the impact of that on the price is, who knows, is untold. Mm-hmm. But I feel I, th- there's another part of my conspiracy theory that almost feels like 99% of what's going on at the moment is just. It's just a prelude before we get into the digital, uh, the central bank digital currencies and the systems that that will, that, that will enable a full control. So it's all very interesting. As I, we've said before, we're, we're definitely in a period of history, both socially, financially, in every way possible that will be studied for many years and quite decisive as well, in my opinion. Yeah, well, you're right, mate. Uh, just as we speak as well, to be honest with you, the Bank of Japan just intervened again. <laughs> the USDJPY was up like 1% at one point today. It's now down 1.6%. They've just unloaded a clip of USD over at the Bank of Japan today. And yeah, it's a very, oh, it's a disgusting candle at the moment on the chart. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, a, 
Zero Hedge on Twitter is pretty good at po- pointing that out. He posted, I think it was about an hour ago, something hinting that yeah, the Bank of Japan were about to intervene. But I mean, again, yeah, the, yeah. how the Bank of Japan are intervening is is kind of wild, to be honest, because they're almost fighting the invisible hand, and they've only got, a, I think they have one point, it's, either bet- it's between one and two trillion dollars of USD liquidity to, to intervene with. So looking at the size of the first intervention, I don't know the size of the current intervention that's happening as we speak, but I think their mass was they have five or six interventions before they run out of foreign currency reserves. So, poof, I mean, it, on, they're, they're banking on having enough, they're banking on the Fed U-turning before they run out of firepower, which I don't know who wins that battle. Uh, <laughs> if the Bank of Japan run out of liquidity before any major policy change in the States, then that is going to be painful for, for, for their economy, for sure. My money's on the Fed. My money's on. It's just all short term, though, mate. Like they they intervened like at the end of September as well, but didn't like it lasted about a day or two, and that's it. And then it was just up only again on on that currency pair. So it'll, it'll probably be it'll probably be the same thing again. Like it'll yeah, it'll be all right today. Might be all right on Monday, but then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week, it'll probably be back up to up only again. So it just it just doesn't make sense to me. These these interventions don't really make sense. I've seen that yeah, chart. I'm, I'm just sorry, I've just seen that chart and it looks more like a Bitcoin chart or an old school Bitcoin chart <laughs> than, than an actual Forex chart. And you can see, you can see the last one in September. You just look at the You just you just look at it and you, you can see it. Like, yeah, that's it was. yeah, and you're like, that's yeah. that's not a sustainable intervention. Yeah, I mean I, I think non-sustainable sums up the last ten years in every way, shape, or form. So it's interesting. Again, I, I I, I, I've, whilst I'm not trading, I try not to to bother too much. But I am, I, I am listening more or got my eyes more on the market because probably in the next thirty days I'll probably get back into the market. So there's plenty of plenty of money to be made out there. That's for sure. That metaphor that yeah. D used, I think, on the first podcast where he said they'll just kick the can down the road as long as they can, and it's, it's almost getting to the point where there's not a lot much, there's not a lot of road left. To just keep 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 kicking the can down, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's why I think yeah. Dill was talking about like yield yeah. curve control and like what's yeah. next, because we kind of keep exhausting options. But again, I feel like the the underlying point of all this is effectively all these central banks and institutions are just eroding credibility, and that's their that's their danger. Is once credibility is eroded, where do they go? Which is why, like I said, that leans into. Hmm, well, if they drop a central bank digital currency, it doesn't matter where the credibility is eroded because your hand is forced as a consumer or a, an individual. Yeah. You, know, you have to use that. So I almost feel like this is, I feel like nothing's of a, I feel like everything's almost planned these days. It's wild. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I, I kind of see where you're coming from when you say that, to be fair. But like you said, this whole credibility thing, it's, it's something I've been talking about all year, to be fair, like this this whole thing about central bank credibility becoming under fire. And it's really their last bullet in the chamber. Central bank credibility is their last leg that they can really stand on. Once that's gone, then they ain't got they ain't got really a leg to stand on after that, in all honesty. And like you said, they'll probably pivot to this CBDC alternative, which, again, starts a whole new kind of cycle in itself. I, I remember I saw you tweeted something yesterday. Yesterday, I think it was, or even today. Like something around the fact that, ironically, CBDCs are the gateway drug to Bitcoin. Yeah, I, I, I think everyone 
the average person that's not currently interested in Bitcoin will understand the power of Bitcoin and why it's so important in the future or in the current slash future digital economy and money systems because if you do something wrong and the current money is there's no cash you know there's there's no other options and everything's digital and, and you get your account frozen your assets frozen you cannot engage in the system take for example if you get banned in china from WePay, you almost can't integrate with society so you know what is the option at that point the only option is bitcoin bitcoin doesn't care who you are where you're from what whether you've got a passport whether you've got any form of id whether you own a house whether you can prove your address you know all these traditional things you need to integrate with the bank system you don't need any of that with bitcoin so ironically cbdc's and the fallout of which for some people whenever they maybe do a post online that's not following the narrative and they get like even kanye's had his bank account closed down for yeah, I was going to say, Kanye might need some Bitcoin <laughs> very um, soon. So I feel like the, when when that starts happening to to your to your average Joes, that's when people realise the importance of Bitcoin and the power of Bitcoin. So I don't feel like the you know I feel like they 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 will almost uh, sign their own death warrant in a way, or they will certainly run as central banks always have done. Central banks run the world's best marketing scheme for Bitcoin. They always have done. They always will do. And I feel like CBDCs will will expedite that. So yeah, I think yeah, I tweeted the reality is CBDCs are a gateway drug to Bitcoin. Most people will never comprehend the true power of Bitcoin until they've been blocked, banned, or frozen by a central bank digital currency. Yeah, it's wild to think about, mate. Like you, we are we are seeing it with more public figures who are being. But yeah, like and even Andrew Tate, I'm sure his bank account's probably been, I know his social media's got frozen, but I'm sure his bank account's probably got frozen in some places as well. I wouldn't be surprised. So yeah, it's only a matter of time. But even, I mean, when does this happen to like normal everyday people because they are protesting in the street for something or, you know, like that like happened in Canada last uh, earlier this year, didn't it? When's it going to get to the stage where, you know, it start, starts happening to everyday people? And that's that's the real problem. Yeah, exactly. And that's why they're trying to, I, I ironically feel like that's why, that's a, a big reason why I don't like ETH going to proof of stake because they're now a fully, it's fully controllable. I think 50% of the, 50% of the nodes are effectively in the US through Coinbase and who else was the other one? I can't remember. And now the SEC deemed that all Ethereum transactions are now regulatory relevant to the US because over 50% of the network nodes are operated through the us so i mean come on it's all crazy mm. proof, yeah, of work wild, is, proof of work is important and it was designed with game theory in mind at all levels so i back bitcoin as i've always said mm -hmm. yeah man just going back to something that you said earlier just to just to kind of almost start wrapping up here when do you think we start seeing better trading conditions? You mentioned like right at the start of the podcast how like you were trading back in 2018. I mentioned something to Amish like a couple of weeks ago when I was in London and I kind of met up with him. I feel like 2018 was a whole different beast in terms. It was probably a little bit easier to trade. Like if you look at the chart of the 2018 bear market versus this bear market, the 2018 bear market had like clean lower highs and lower lows. This bear market seems like it's just been impulse down, chop around for a bit, yeah. impulse down, chop around for a bit. It's just been so difficult to trade. Yeah, I mean, as someone that's not been trading actively, I yeah, of course, yeah, I would still agree with you. I mean, last 2018, we had some pretty savage bear market rallies, always printing a high time frame, lower high. 
but even still, you could get position then for another trade. You know, the the, the easy the easy trade was the easy trade was the inverse of the the run up, which is obviously just shorting shorting into the strength. Most most people got blown up shorting too early, which added fuel for why those why 2018 rallied. Uh, the bear market rallies were so aggressive. But yeah, I feel like this this it's just been flat all round, really. So rubbish, I man. When I would anticipate typically twelve typically twelve months after the high is when I would like to start getting back into the market from a trading perspective wise. But again, the, it, as we know now, the the other than the time, which that might change again by next cycle, maybe the time becomes irrelevant. The actual percentage or trying to trying to use any kind of past cycle for future reference is is very hard. So, but I'm just going off just going off what I what I prefer to do. I, I feel like I've relaxed enough, recuperated enough, so I'm ready to sit back down, get some get some trading plans going, and uh, get back into the market. You need to flow with the market. So you know, maybe maybe it doesn't start flowing for me for another six twelve months. Who knows? I'm not going to force anything, but I feel like. You know, if you went to 2018, nobody was talking about the macro environment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> macro yeah, environment yeah. now is everyone people speak about. Like 99% of people that were shilling altcoins are now just like Fed commentators. I could tag 10 people on Twitter. That, um, Please do. That, uh, yeah, I knew they did. <laughs> There's so many of them. I mean, you don't even have to look hard. It's just ridiculous. And if you ask a question on those posts, Mm. And they answer it. They have absolutely no idea what they're commenting on. You know, mm. like absolutely no idea. So I think that's that. That's always another inkling as to where we are. But yeah, I, I would, I would, I do expect. I don't get me wrong. After the market bottoms, it's usually another twelve months until it's like easy, easy trading. I just like to get back in after twelve months. Mm. So probably another year before markets are like in what I call easy mode. I think that's that's a really good point where I think with us, we've always said Dylan's the macro guy. So if I write a macro piece, I'll run it by him or I'll ask him to write it first. I'm sort of kind of the more logistical day-to-day stuff. James, obviously heavy trading. And obviously when you combine everything together, you, you cover all the aspects almost. I find it very difficult when someone who does one thing all of a sudden becomes an overnight expert in another field like macro which you can't it's just not possible right and it's only because dylan's been feeding us all this information for the last what nine to twelve months where probably even longer where it's only now we're actually understanding what what things are what things are actually what's actually going on another point was that it's not necessarily this down bit that really screws people it's almost the bit where from the bottom to the halving like I was with some people on, on Saturday night and I said, yeah, the halving's up till 2024. And they're like, oh shit, I thought it was 2023. I said, no, there's still a long, there's still a long way to go. I think that's the bit that almost, because there's a lot of sideways actions during that period, historically. I think that's a time where people will really struggle. Yeah, I mean, to go to the first point, I'm a big believer in the same. If someone's better than you at doing something, then delegate, then use that information. I it's one of the strongest things. It's one of the strongest skills, general life skills. I think people can take. There's no point in trying to do everything. You know, if you have a friend, if you want to start renting out property and you've got a friend that's already doing it, is successful at it, then go speak, take the advice, listen, learn, absorb. Don't try and rewrite the rule book. You know, leverage what you already have. Same way, if you've got a friend that's good at crypto and is successful at it, and you know they're successful at it, there's not necessarily any point in you trying to become 
the master if that person's willing to help you, you know. So, I mean, yeah. That's why we have you on here. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you've got people, you're meant to lean against them. And, you know, I, I think I've used the analogy before. Like, if I'm sat in an, in an exam and someone wants to copy my work, if they copy my work, it doesn't detract from what mark I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. It only might help them. So I've never been bothered about that. There's this great metaphor that if one candle lights another candle, it doesn't dim the original candle's light. Exactly that. It's a perfect metaphor for what I was trying to say. Exactly. So that's kind of always been my thesis on that or or my my ideology. So, yeah, I'm I'm not sure why anyone would think anything other than that, to be honest. (laughs) I think it's very much seasonal. I think because things move so quickly, it's like you have to be what's relevant. You have to stay relevant. So whatever's trending, oh, you have to be, oh, yeah, I'm now the macro guy. No, you never talked about macro for the last year. Yeah, I mean, pe- people do it on Twitter because it's what's driving their the kind of engagement, aren't they? They're looking for that dopamine hit. And if you're tweeting about altcoins when everyone's been wrecked by a 95% drawdown or probably 99% drawdown or 100% destruction, then, yeah, you know, <laughs> you're not going to get engagement. And I'm a big believer those some people start getting aggressive. You know, there's... Half, I bet 99% of the YouTubers that did crypto YouTube, I bet all they get is like aggressive comments, shit mm-hmm. comments. You know, I, I kind of don't blame them for not going or not being interested in the market. Plus, there's not that much activity. There's not that much new things to tweet about or, or, or to, 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 to make content on. So I understand the whole process of it. But yeah, I, I do find it funny how people pivot into something that's so specialist all of a sudden but you, you you guys know the same when the market comes back up there'll be 10 probably hundreds of people that you know like here's how i made 10 million dollars <laughs> cryptocurrency follow me to find out more join my telegram group you know where the fuck were you bro? <laughs> and i think i think this is what we say is that one, one thing that i really say i really really echo and obviously we can is, is the friends and the network that you build during this time it's so much more valuable during you know any any kind of bull market we have because any everyone and everyone wants to be your friend at you know at, at 65k bitcoin and then you just don't hear from these people yeah and on the same note i always say to friends that have invested and fortunately now a lot of friends that have been around for a few cycles with me as well they know it full well you know they've oh. started buying yeah. again and it's the same. If you're around now mm. in in the bad times, you're going to really enjoy the good times. It's literally that simple. You guys will probably know. I bet. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's different for you guys because you're still quite active. Mm. But I bet, I bet you the engagement, the amount of people Mate, that are interested. It's so demoralizing, and you just they're like, look. I, I, but I think it's that we know the crack, and we're just saying, look, we're still here. We're not going anywhere. And a lot of times it's just repetitive. And this week, I mean, I've hardly posted this week because it's literally been. Nothing, I have been busy, but there's been literally nothing to post about. Whereas if you're selling a product and stuff, you can always kind of build a narrative. But because crypto is so seasonal. It is what it is, but I think that's what we're almost trying to be a bit more. Well, let's well, you know, obviously James doing the training side, and then we're trying to be just a bit more social. Where it's like you can still meet up and talk with friends and stuff. It doesn't need to be around crypto because everyone's in the same place. But you know, you you kind of build on what you have, and you and you kind of understand where you're at in the grand scheme of things, and and you just you know you just move accordingly. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, like I said, never why people why people are happy to allocate at higher prices and then. When the market crashes, it's a scam. I'm not interested. Fair enough if you've lost your job, you've lost your income streams, you've got no money. But mm. if you were allocating money happily at a higher price and you're not allocating money now because you're scared, then I'm sorry, but 
investing isn't really your forte and you know you can't you can't then return to the when everything's broken and complain I have a good question. I have a good question. Do you feel this is something that should be taught in schools from an early age, just so people are more comfortable with with essentially buying low and selling high? Or do you feel that good investors almost have that that bottle built into them and you kind of have it? I feel like, A, yes, financial literacy should be. And I don't just necessarily mean investing. I mean, like, talking about credit, how to use credit, how credit, how a mortgage works what questions to ask with a mortgage, how to analyze what mortgage suits you, mm. how car payments work. You know, the, the, the stuff you learn in school is absolutely not relevant. But yeah, um, investing absolutely should be taught in schools. Mm. Because, because say, say, like, say myself, I had, a, I had, like, I have like a medical profession and I already started doing this at like, I don't know, five years, so maybe 28 years old. And by that point, a lot of the things that you've learned in life is, is kind of already hardwired. So this, it doesn't make sense to buy something, you know, when it's 90% down. It literally just doesn't make sense. Yes, yeah. And then on the other side of that, I feel like risk takers are risk takers. And if you're a risk taker, you're probably better suited to invest in anyway because it's inherently risky. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. And this is why you get so many crypto degens that made lots of money because they're just like, well, fuck it. Yeah, YOLOing. But I I don't know. I I feel... I don't. I don't know why people fear prices going down. I re- I understand if you bought the top with every single thing you had, and then you see a massive drawdown. Yeah. But again, everything should be a lesson. You know, if if you make a massive mistake like that, it's not really a mistake so long as you learn from it. It's only a mistake I, I, if you I, I think, and do the same Yeah, thing. I, I think I think that's the biggest problem. People firming at the top, they sell at a loss, and they're like, "I'm never touching that ever again." But and I also think the other thing is people get sucked into non-quality assets. So you know the amount of, mm-hmm. amount of people that buy absolute. I even have what I have one friend who knows crypto. He's been around for his second cycle. Even him at the top was like, "Oh, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy that." And then now he's like, "Why the? Why was I doing that?" I, I was telling him, "Don't be stupid. Like you're buying like meme coins that are up thousands of thousands of yeah. percent." Why are you buying it? Just leave it. Wait till the next cycle. You know, wait till wait till wait till there's there's blood in the streets, as the good old saying goes. But still, they get suckered in, and then now they're like, "Fuck! Why was I doing that?" It's, it's, know, it's, it's, that's 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 gambling at that point. That's gambling at casino at that point, isn't it? Absolutely, and I think ninety nine percent of alts are in fact. Yeah, I had one of my cousins re- ring me the other day. Actually, I was like, "He's like like." half 11 at night it's proper random i was in bed he's much older than me he lives in london and uh, milton Keynes actually and he must have had one of his friends who like kind of works in the corporate world telling him about crypto who must yeah he seemed like he was quite aware of the kind of crypto situation he, he, he mentioned the halvings coming up in 2024 and he goes now is like quite a good time to get into crypto and he was just wanted my advice on a few things he was like should i start buying like well he mentioned to me he went, he went on an exchange and bought some shiba inu i was like i was like oh, okay but he, he bought like a like hundred dollars two hundred dollars versus Shiba, all that kind of stuff. He's like, he goes, should I be buying XRP? He goes, apparently it's going to be like the next, like, you know, Swift or something like that. I was like, mate, as I listen, just (laughs) relax. I was like, you're right in terms of like, now's a good time to be buying, but Mm -hmm. you just need to kind of narrow down your focus into some better, better coins, better projects. Like if you want to wait for like another potential, I don't know, 30, 40% drawdown, that might come next year. But if you're happy just to kind of buy now and just wait for the halving and kind of another five years, then prices will be significantly higher than they are today. But yeah, it was just funny to just have that phone call with him. 
yeah, so many uneducated people in this space right now who I think, like I said, the, the halving narrative seems to be very well known now. But it's just a shame that people are leveraging that narrative to then go and buy altcoins instead of... Uh, I think I think, I think, it just, I think it just comes around to you have to go through a cycle to understand that, okay, I should have done that better this time. And this is yeah, the, the, the only asset class that literally gives you the same... I mean, everything else runs in cycles, but not necessarily like... Okay, I know a rough time scale of, of of what's going on, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I mean, I know for a fact I have friends that said this. You guys absolutely must have had people that said this like two years ago in the Discord or, or in any of your like community chat chat logs, whatever. Where like, oh I can't wait for a bear market. It's gonna be so <laughs> to just allocate capital to anything, yep. sit on it two to four years and then yeah, retire off, you know, ride my horse off into the sunset, and then like <laughs> the bear market comes, and like nobody's fucking interested. Yeah, you're like, do you not remember what you're like? It's kind of what I said about trading. You have to, you, in a in a in a in a bear market, you have to make your plan for the bull market when you're mm. not emotional, and in the bull market, you have to make your plan for the bear market when you're not emotional and stick mm. to it. So that's exactly what I do. When market's down a certain percent, I'm allocating. I'm not going to try and time it. I'm aware that it could go against me or could go further down. But I made a plan and I'm sticking to it. And that mm. way you're not emotional. You're not thinking, oh, but if I put 100 grand in now and it drops down 50%, I've lost 50 grand. It doesn't matter. You're putting it in now because you believe it's going to be higher in two years' time, three years' time, four years' time, whatever that plan is. So it is funny how, how many people look forward to a, bull, a bear market because oh, I just wish I bought Bitcoin cheaper. Bitcoin goes cheaper. Nobody's buying. Wow. It's just hilarious. Buying, mate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It really is funny, mate. It really is funny. I missed you. Have you got anything else you want to kind of cover? Or anything else no, just, I mean, just echoing what you said. We're very grateful to have you and I know you're a very busy man. And yeah, just, yeah, just, just thank you for sparing your time and always, 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 always being available for a good laugh. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, it's good to, thanks for having me on. It's always good to have a catch up and hopefully in the next six to 12 months, a bit more fireworks come around the market. <laughs> yeah, man, hopefully we'll see you in better, hopefully we'll chat again in better times. Yeah, these are the best times anyway, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, no, I appreciate it, mate. Well, hopefully we'll catch you. Give me a shout if you're free this weekend. Yeah, we'll do, man. We'll link up. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Nice one, man. Cheers, lads. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you.